0: step up your self-care game best buds makes a great addition to your routine best buds is a premier manufacturer of federally compliant cannabis products the products include bud cbd oils gummies lotions edibles vape pre-rolls you name it i love these products if you live in charleston they will even bring them to your door i have ordered stuff at like noon and there they are like two hours later I love the gummies. My, my typical routine is this. I do an oil in the morning and I do a, a gummy at night. If I want a little more oomph, I'll go with one of the Delta-8 gummies. If i just kind of mellowing out, one of the CBDs. The topicals are great for pulled muscles, especially if you're starting back up with a workout routine. Those topicals are amazing. And there's a beard oil that, uh, that smells really great. I don't have a beard, but I've smelled it. It's a great product. And you can go to bestbudsbff.com and use promo code Yogi10, Y-O-G-I, 10, and get 10% off your purchase. Let's mellow it out this year, y'all. Hey there, friends. Jay Stephen Willard here. Another week, another episode of There Once Was a Yogi. We are winding up our series of How to Practice in a Dumpster Fire. Uh, its I hope it's been uh, informative, inspiring, and, and entertaining uh, for you. Uh, our season finale is next week with uh, my friend Cindy Lee returning. This week, however, I am... This conversation took me places I did not expect to go. Ralph De La Rosa, who is an amazing meditation teacher, and he has two really great books out, The Monkey Messenger, and Don't Tell Me to Relax, is my guest uh, this week. And I I tell you, we went places that I did not expect to go. Uh, We have very similar backstories. His backstory is amazing. And very inspiring. I I, I think you'll get a lot out of it. I do want to give you a little bit of a warning uh, that we speak a lot about uh, addiction. We speak a lot about suicide. And if those words uh, activate you or that topic activates you, uh, listen carefully and mindfully and take care of yourself with this. And Ralph has a whole lot of uh, resources available at his website, which is in these show notes. So without further ado, let's listen to Ralph De La Rosa. (laughs)
1: i I was doing the thing the broccoli asparagus thing do you know that trick that if you're ever an if you're ever an extra uh you know on a tv show or a movie or something you just mouth broccoli asparagus repeatedly so it looks like you're having a conversation interesting broccoli asparagus broccoli Uh, asparagus broccoli asparagus and you can do it in many like you know, many facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> You've officially ruined the movies for me because now when I see extras, I'm gonna go you for broccoli <laughs> asparagus. Broccoli asparagus. <laughs> well, I feel like it. You know, it was done to me, so I feel like it, it is my obligation to to share with others. <laughs> yeah, it's part, of, it's part of the burden of being a creator, it's like learning how I to guess. record music. Like when yeah, I right? record music, it's like I'm I'm done. Like now, I now I can't. Now I can't see a show without being like, I wonder what EQ pedal yeah. they're using, and like, what's going on with the kick drum, and yeah. Well, and I always say to people like uh, in yoga teacher training, like you'll you'll never be able to take a yoga class the same. Like yeah. you will always be yeah. like, oh, that was great, or ooh, what was that, or you know, <laughs> you, it, you can you will almost never just be able to just go in and yeah. you know <laughs> just cool. be in the moment. No. Uh, and I, I wanted to, I have uh, physical evidence here of both your books. <laughs> I'm deeply honored. <laughs> the monkey is the messenger. I actually, this one I love a lot. And uh, don't tell me to relax, which I hate when people, I, I was going through a phase recently where I would sometimes say in class that my one of my new favorite things to do is to uh, to say to cisgender straight white males, you know, like, you'd be so handsome if you smiled, or to be like, I think you're being a little hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little bit of revenge in there. Exactly.
0: <laughs> right. so, so don't tell me to relax. It's a great book. We'll talk about those in just a moment. All right, sure. Ralph uh, De La Rosa, I don't think I did
1: not properly introduce you. Uh, welcome from Thank you. balmy Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> what is and the high today so. i think it's 95 oh god yeah yeah which is, which is it's fine i grew up in uh the desert actually in the mojave desert and so oh this is technically nothing to me um it's just it's just the reality unexpected of, uh, no ac and the unexpected aspect of it too right uh, yeah. right well, you just led me into my first question. I was gonna ask you, where did it all start? So you, were you born and raised in the Mojave Desert? Yes, for better or worse. <laughs> um, and then, you know, born, raised and traumatized, frankly. Mm. Um, childhood was not a pretty situation at all for me. Um, a lot of violence, a lot of uh, bullying, a lot of um, mm. dejection, a lot of homophobia, uh, a lot of confusion. Um, Growing up, and then I've just been kind of on the run, really, mm. ever since uh, the moment I turned eighteen. I actually moved to Tacoma, Washington. Um, I, I lived all around the country since then. I've been bopping around uh, my entire adult life, and um, kind of running around both literally and metaphorically, I would yeah. say, as well. Like really, really searching for answers and and pretty convinced that there's more, there's more to it all than, than just this, than just what mm. I had experienced uh, in the first 18 years of my life. And, yeah, very familiar yeah. with, <laughs> with that story. Um. <laughs> right. right, right, the, the nuances <laughs> between running and seeking, right? <laughs> right,
0: right. Uh, I know
1: it is, interesting. it's interesting how many people, I don't know if you find this. But uh, you know, if you if you know a lot of other you know teachers and et cetera, how many of us have that that background story? And um, yeah, I mean, it's you know, I don't know that I've. It's been very few that I've met who like grew up, you know. Ward in June, Cleaver, you know, leave it to Beaver kind of thing. A friend of mine said, you really have to update your references. Almost everyone that knows what that show is, is dead. But, um, <laughs> but you know, yeah. <laughs> and I guess that's true. Um, were you an only child? No, I grew up with my two technically half sisters, but I didn't think of them till, as half sisters till I was much older. But you know, I grew up. know, uh, I grew up in a house full of, uh, Latinas, uh, my Whoa. mom and my two sisters, and yeah. <laughs> it's so, a grateful, uh, grateful that I grew up with women, uh, very grateful. I mean, mm-hmm. genderqueer myself, but also just being close to the common female experience, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. had a, a big impact on me. And um, And yeah, I mean, looking back now, i would say the impact is quite obvious given that most of the people who are drawn to my work most of most of my clients almost all of my students um, all of my friends all of the people i date um mm. yeah my my entire world has, has kind of always been uh, uh, cis women and trans women mm. yeah i i have a yeah <laughs> similar experience uh minus the latina part um so when you would you end up when you land in tacoma what's your did you go for school or were you just like i just gotta get the fuck out of here yeah that was yeah (laughs) (laughs) definitely the latter i mean i sometimes say that like by the time i was eight years old i wanted three things i wanted to uh be michael jackson I wanted. To I imagine myself. you rethought that since. <laughs> no, not really. Actually, no. <laughs> well, well, in in vibe, in essence. Right? Okay, okay. I, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I I spoke over number two, Michael Going Jackson. Yeah, wanted to kill myself. Um, mm. Started with suicidality. Yeah, at the age of mm. eight, and then, but then wanting to know the truth, like mm. uh, having from an unusually early age this sense of like this can't be it, y'all. This, there's right. no way that this is what we're here for like right. 5 years old 6 years old going just like come on this is we something's off something's off uh, i have to also just say that you just gave me chills because the the timeline again the timeline and those three things mine is michael mm. jackson mm. was was my experience as well like i don't know like 7 or 8 i think i I don't even know that I knew that there was a word for suicide, but like it it definitely started entering my my thought system at a very mm-hmm. young age. And I think uh, I don't think I wanted to be I did not want to be Michael Jackson. I think at that time, I probably wanted to be Olivia Newton John. Sure. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I suppose I still go with Michael Jackson because Axl Rose hadn't been hadn't <laughs> entered the scene just yet, but yeah. Yeah absolutely <laughs> Wow. That, those are two so very different. Um, so so when you you're out on your own in Tacoma, uh, is this when you start to sort of start um, realizing who you are? like is this when you start identifying as queer or becoming yeah. yourself, whatever that means to you? More, yeah, more in the midst of like a feminist awakening. For sure that mm. that really began when i was i was 15 16 years old i oh. i got introduced to diy punk rock and and the third wave feminist uh what's what's called riot girl uh movement yes. um i got to be there for the birth of that bikini kill shows and and all of that stuff and um that was the first time in my life actually that my depression abated is when mm. i dropped out of high school and started some zines and started some bands and um got politically active and 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 started reading uh, you know, books that were contrary to the dominant culture and taking in different ideas about power and oppression and privilege mm. like 92 um and yeah so when i was 18 i i was pretty convinced actually that uh that there was a revolution that there was a real a radical feminist revolution just brewing out there in the world that just wasn't in my hometown Mm. and so I got out into the world wanting to find it like where are these people who really are serious about about doing this thing and then I quickly found out no actually (laughs) most places are kind of like your hometown in terms of like the apathy and like maybe less small town mindedness you know but um People are just kind of doing their own thing and and maybe rebelling a, a bit, but organizing and what have you—it's um, much more, much harder to find than people who are going to punk rock shows, for example, <laughs> right? Right? But, um, yeah. And so depression set back in pretty fiercely, and mm. um, and I found myself very soon in Amherst, Massachusetts. Uh, I squatted in East Dallas for a summer. Um, Wow, Yeah, you should be used to this (laughs) heat. Right. (laughs) We used to, it was was like 20 punk rockers in a boarded up old house in, in East Dallas. In East Dallas. And it used to be so hot, so nasty in there that we would, this is not the story I thought I would be telling on this podcast, but... We used to go, there was a golf course across the street from our house. And we used to take our sleeping bags and just go sleep in the golf course and then get hacked by mosquitoes in the morning and oh. have to make a run for it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> some, some really wild times in youth and just, just really kind of depressed. And again, like yeah. looking for, for answers and being sure like it, it's got to be, it's got to be something. And, um, I would say the first real moment of starting to find, as opposed to running or seeking, um, came when I fell in love with a hippie, which was hilarious as a very, very punk rock kind of kid and all black and kind of gutter punk style. And then I fell in love with a literal rainbow hair rat hippie um, who introduced <laughs> me to psychedelics and mm. um, and introduced me to the idea of spirituality without organized religion or even necessarily a firm notion of what the divine is um and introduced me to ram das's be here now that uh, was definitely a big origin point um i got attuned to reiki uh just just to impress her <laughs> just casually <Aww. laughs> started doing reiki because i wanted yeah melissa melissa brown to fall in love with me too and um and Yeah, and and that was, that was really the first times that I started to feel happiness. Mm. Like, like, uh, was, I would say that that MDMA actually was, you know, if I had stopped at like the first three times of doing that, it would have been life-changing in a really wonderful way. But like the first three times, the first three times really were like, holy shit, it's possible to feel this way. Oh my fucking god! Like, really, this is this is what other people have. This is that thing other people have. Mm. Holy fuck! Now I got to figure out how to get there without cheating. You know? Mm. And, well, that's funny because now you know psychedelics are being used yeah. in, in the treatment oh, yeah. of depression. How, how old were you at this at this stage? Like nineteen. Oh yeah. wow! So oh my god, still a baby. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, now comparatively, I don't know how yeah, old you are, no. but now and if I meet a 19-year-old, I'm like, oh, poodle. Um, <laughs> but, um, I know it's wild, like, because I I guess I was, I was probably like 19 or 20 the first time I think I did shrooms. And mm-hmm. it was a very similar thing of where it was like, you know, colors and, and, and thing, like, things just didn't seem as bad. And kind of like you, I didn't know, yeah, that I probably should have yeah. done it on a more moderated <laughs> scale. But... Um, right. But it's interesting that, like that that now that is the conversation that's happening around MDMA and uh, acid and shrooms and all this kind of stuff. and which is yeah. which is wonderful, which is, yeah, I, I'm yeah, a huge proponent of this happening in our society. i I, I say that with some trepidation because there's there's some ways in which i don't think it's being approached wisely even in the clinical industry but maybe mm. that's another another conversation for another day but it's yeah it's it's, it's tricky territory and we're in, in new stages of, of being yeah. able to embrace the psychotherapeutic event, uh, effects of it but i mean i just met somebody recently who's corporate counsel for amazon and did MDMA therapy and after like a whole life being you know very type A and very materialist and very about watching the money go up and Mm -hmm. accruing property and investment and just you know samsara basically Mm -hmm. um, really opened their eyes to there's much more than this and my presumptions about the world is totally off and there's uh, i've got to find a more heart-centered life and is now in the process of leaving that in order to become a psychotherapist and has radically wow. rearranged her world and i'm just like that's that's the revolution you know that yeah. is a slow and steady revolution if, if we can get hearts to open you mm. know if, if we got everybody's heart to just open to mm. the simple fact that we belong to each other right and that that love and compassion feel better than anything else. If we could get every single person to open up to that, our world would be different. And um, yeah, and to, to, to hear this person's story of like, wow, you really were in this particular archetype and radical paradigm shift after two or three uh, psychedelic assisted therapy sessions. Wow, really inspiring. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, next week is going to uh, Costa Rica to do her third ayahuasca <laughs> ceremony, yeah. and I, I have not, I have not gotten brave enough to do that yet. But yeah, uh, wait, wait till ayahuasca comes to you. Is what I'll say. Yeah. I almost did it in 2019. I had a friend who was leading a um, a thing, and uh, and I was like, listen, in my top ten of fears of all time, fears. I, I, I won't say where they where they rate, but two of my fears in that top ten are uh, shitting myself and puking in public. So, and I understand yeah. both of those things happen, and I oh, do. So I have not done that. So lots of uh, you know. Uh, anyway, um, were you brought up very religious? Were you brought up in like a super religious household, like very Catholic? Oh. I imagine. Oh, Southern Baptist, even worse. I was I was taken to anti-abortion Me too. rallies. I even knew what sex was really yeah wow. I was never taken to a rally but uh okay. I've been I've been to converted camps um wow that no I was shit. not ex- yeah yeah um it's you know I I recently became friends with a uh, a minister of a you know very progressive church not far from me just a, a couple of blocks away from me and uh we randomly became friends and we actually met had a conversation and uh, he's a very lovely man I, I, I like him i like his message and he invites me to to sunday service a lot and i finally had to say like dude i have i'ts like i have serious religious drama like churches are really activating for me like yeah. i don't know i have yeah. not been in a church uh, yeah. since 1986 outside of a wedding or a funeral and that's like mm-hmm. it's very activating for me even at this stage so yeah, other uh, Fellow former Southern Baptist, high five. Yeah, so bump on okay. that. It's wild. Yeah, so that's some baggage, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the one the one thing I'll say is that, you know, that whole fear of hell thing. It's just brilliant, brilliant marketing. I mean <laughs> right. That's that who took me like a decade to shake off. Oh like my the, gosh. The, the the panic of just random mm-hmm. intrusive thought of like, oh, what if I got it wrong? What if I got it wrong? It's the highest price. Like. <laughs> Do you find yourself slipping to, into that lately? Like with everything that's going on in the world of like, I've had moments where I've been like, oh shit, what if they were right? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, no. And especially, <laughs> I mean, the dominant Christianity that's being practiced in this country right now, it's, it's clearly raw is clearly i mean it's not even i always put that in quotation marks and um and usually uh instead of spelling it with a c i spell it with three k's so (laughs) i mean yeah because it's it's where we are yeah, 100%. I was having a conversation with someone uh, recently, um, a black woman, and and she was saying how, you know, like, look, this is the demographic I'm distrustful of. And I said, yeah, I said, when someone tells me that they're uh, a Christian, it, it does, I like, I literally feel myself tighten up, because I always want to be like, are you a Jesus Christian or like a Trump Christian? Because those there are we very go. different things. Exactly. And Yeah. And so it's interesting. Um, okay, so you're out of it when it took you 10 years, you say, what was the, what was the thing? Like, what was the thing where the pivot started to happen? Yeah, you know, the pivot was heroin, honestly. Mm. And the pivot that came before that was a lot of death. Mm. Um, you know, like like we, we touched on it earlier, uh, uh, that the, the real, entry point to the path is is generally some level of heartbreak Uh, but Mm. I I often say you know very few people get into this out of intellectual curiosity I say that all the time no one comes to yoga because they feel so great I mean yeah exactly it's like you you know and meditation even more so because it's so notoriously boring and tedious and and (laughs) right has a bad rap but um uh I had I, had, I had, you know done the be here now thing. I had actually joined the Hare Krishnas for a time. Wow. Um, I ran away from the Hare Krishnas in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> that was a whole wild excursion, but like that was a beautiful time. I learned a, I learned a lot of Sanskrit. I learned a lot about about um, Hindu culture, and I learned a lot about devotional practice and really beautiful things. That uh, translated into a relationship with the guru Ama for a number of oh. years. Mm-hmm. And the thing was is I was still very much in my trauma then and mm. and very much still had an addict mindset where mm-hmm. that co-opted my spiritual intentions where it was really about getting high still. It was really mm. about this mantra makes me feel so good. This culture makes me feel so good. These devotional practices makes me you know, get, takes me to this place and I want to stay in that place, you right. know, and it's basically chasing the dragon in a different way, and in so, way. Yeah. and also the spiritual bypassing of, you know, the past, the past, and I'm just going to become this person now, I'm going to become this right. person that wears white right. and has the beads and has, like, you know, a spiritual name and, and is just, I'm a different version of myself, that's what it's about, and I didn't deal with, any of the baggage of my mm. old, the old version of myself. So it didn't work. It didn't work right. and my, my addiction spiraled until um, three, three people died in a row. One of them was mm. sleeping next to me. Oh, wow. And then three weeks later, my dad died. Mm. And then a couple months later, a singer in a band that I had been playing and uh, died of a heroin overdose. And I went off the deep end. Um, mm. I didn't have, uh, for all the years of spiritual practice, I did, didn't have tools. And, um, and my dalliances with cocaine became, uh, uh, IV heroin use, uh, kind wow. of overnight. And yeah. it was, as they say, the express elevator to the basement floor mm. right down. And, um, and it was so bad that, uh, uh. I had to go to rehab and I had, I had no money. I was on the verge of homelessness. Um, I was just really, really hanging by a thread and um, found a six month inpatient uh, uh, treatment center that was state funded. Um, so it was basically the extension. It was an early release program for a penitentiary. Oh, wow. So, so, Where yeah, were you so at it, this point? Where in San it? Francisco, actually. Oh, that um, makes sense. Yeah. And so yeah. I, yeah, I slept, I mean, it was a very rough crowd in there, but, um, mm-hmm. but I also had a therapist that I adored, um, who was now my colleague, which was really strange. Um, <laughs> and, and, and one of the few activities I could get out of there to go and do was go to meditation meetings. And so Dharma punks, uh, yeah. in San Francisco, what started as Dharma punks became um something called urban dharma at the time now it's called big heart city and it's run by vinnie ferraro who is wonderful yes. wonderful even though noah has the different story these days but but vinnie ferraro <laughs> you know of him um yes noah uh, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah i mean i mean talk about trauma that guy I mean, like dealing crack for his dad at like 12 i mean yeah tearing I, a god like yeah And you look in his eyes now and you just see like golden-hearted softness. Mm. It's just it's just bananas. I mean, if anyone's living proof, I think Vinny Ferraro is is a really good person to look to. But yeah, it was it was really that was the first time I practiced Buddhism. That was the first time Mm. I did mindfulness-based practice. No ritual, no incense, no gold, no chanting (laughs) in an exotic language no yeah no no finger bells no yeah nothing nothing at all and i mean in a completely secularized buddhist context you don't you have even less to hang on to because it's just you're in a chair fucking stranded body mind breath Mm -hmm. and we would sit for 40 minutes it wasn't this Mm -hmm. like five minute like app thing that people do now It's 40 minutes right deal with your shit and that I mean, it's it's ironic that ended up being the most transformative thing. Not all this like Mm -hmm. tantric wonderment, but just the simple raw discipline of 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 learning how to be a human being, walking Mm -hmm. this earth. Mm -hmm. You you can't do the transcendence until you do that. I was trying to. I think. Yeah, go on. I was I I was just going to say I think that that's. Uh, such a pivotal point to make that uh, you have the stuff you need to to do this practice. We, the, the, you know, this is an industry now, and so we've been sold that we need you know this cushion and we need this shawl and we need these beads and this candle and this incense and da 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 da. Um, but I do think that we are in this this stage of the game now where um, all that stuff is kind of starting to to fall away. If people are kind of coming back to the thing of like, oh, yeah, I just need to sit. Mm-hmm. I just need to sit. Yeah. So the, how long ago was this that you discover that you have this experience, this meditation experience? Like 2005? Oh, yeah. wow. Good, uh, chunk so, of time. Uh, good chunk of time. Good chunk of time. Good chunk of time. Go like, ahead. Oh, um, I would was just going to say that yeah that that was um those were also my first experiences of not numbing myself with spiritual practice mm. which mm. um i was reaching for bliss before but there was like a self-medication in that and right learning how to just thaw out and really feel things um and, and, and feeling that it's safe to feel things big things hard things it's okay Yeah, Yeah. that's one of the things that Vipassana practice, which isn't my main practice today, but uh, showed me, is that you you can just sit and wait it out, Mm -hmm. feel it through, and you're changed. When you, difficult emotion arises in your practice, and you watch, you know, the whole bell curve of, like, it comes into being, it peaks, it starts to die off, and then it's gone. You do that even once with, like, your anger or your loneliness or something difficult it changes you know you're never the same really because you start realizing oh oh, I have so much less to run from than I thought I did (laughs) Mm. yeah I think also too you know I think it takes a long time to get to this point where if you can also recognize that everyone does like you know that everyone's got a, a trauma of some sort everyone's got everyone's reaction is stemming from something that has happened to them and not, and that that it's not a personal thing against you. And I think when you recognize that and you recognize, and you've had this practice, like, I don't know the last time I had like a, an actual blow up at somebody, you know? (laughs) And I think that the last time I did was like in a relationship many years ago. And I, you know, I was a few years into uh, my practice, but I remember afterwards, like being like, ew, that feels so gross!" Like, you know, this—it just, it just felt like I put on like shoes that I found in the street or something. And yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's not me. I don't think anymore." Yeah. Well, I mean, two things about that. One is, I, what what you're saying is is so true that that the the not the emotions themselves were hardwired for all the emotions, like right. or not. But the way that they manifest the particular accent with which we express and the, and the ones that, that are become our go-tos like anger, anxiety, depression, et cetera, the ones right. that get, get on heavy rotation has everything to do with what we've been through.
0: And mm-hmm. that points
1: us in a very, very, towards a very important truth that our emotions actually have a logic behind them. They're not neurotic. They're not irrational. They might be following a different logic than we would like them to be or think they should be but they there's a reason there's a reason behind them and there's a there's a a, a kind of thinking um uh, mm. behind our our sadness um in in terms of just that, the role that it plays in in our ecosystem um mm. and and for me that that really helps with not pathologizing myself for going through things for having for example at one time a very explosive very toxic anger which today yeah looks like a lot more like you know what i'm really pissed at you and <laughs> and we've really got to talk about this because i don't want to feel this way and this thing that happened is just not okay how you know it's more like that that's as explosive as i get these days. yeah I have friends that I've, I've been friends with for many years and who have seen me you know, start one way to, to where I am now, just recently actually. And, um, and I said, I, I, I cannot talk about this right now. I said, I will be way too in my feelings to talk about it right now. So I'm gonna ask you to
0: honor my request. I may, I may be ready in an hour, it may be tomorrow. But I cannot proceed with this conversation, and he was just like looking
1: at me from the driver's side, like, "What?" <laughs> and I was like, "I said, trust me, we don't want to do this right now." And yeah. and, and that's what we did. And he was, and he later, like a couple of days later, he's like, "He's like, I got to remember that." He said because that was that was amazing. He's like because I was ready to just come in, but I, instead I had time to like, okay. And, um, okay, so, on the other side of you, I want to back up a little bit. so on the other when you get to the other side of the six month uh, rehab, yeah. do you stick with your your meditation practice when you're once you're back out in the world? i I, I had one more relapse in me <laughs> right after and um and and then I really hit a, a different kind of bottom um. Mm. I'm tempted to tell the story, but I basically, I had a job that I got fired from, but I was the assistant manager. And before I left, I managed to get my hands in the safe. And, Mm. um, and I took that money down to the corner and scored as much as I could get with that, that money. And it felt like it was a lot of drugs that was going to last me a very long time. And it lasted me a week. I got Mm. to the end of that week. hadn't thought about what came next and I had no money, I was getting kicked out of my place, I had nowhere to go, Um, I had no food. And I had some very, very, very kind friends in New York City who said, you know, we're gonna chip in and buy you a one-way ticket and you don't have a fucking choice, pal. Fuck you, you're an asshole, sleep on our couch. (laughs) oh wow (laughs) like that was actually literally the conversation (laughs) and and, um i ended up in new york city just just you know at the end of my rope on 60 milligrams of prozac every day and returned to my meditation practice eventually got on my feet and started doing work study at a yoga studio that i later became the manager at that i later became the the meditation teacher at um it was called go yoga it was uh you know of this
0: probably was it
1: in was it uh west village adjacent no it was uh it was in Williamsburg it was it was oh okay only vinyasa studio in Williamsburg for for a while now now they have many in that neighborhood in Brooklyn yes Manhattan yeah Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, but I mean that that yoga was a big big game changer honestly Mm. in terms of trauma release. I mean, mm-hmm. I cried in shavasana inexplicably, wouldn't even know why. I would just I would mm-hmm. leave that person like sobbing and trying to hold it in to not disrupt everybody, right. but not being able to. I was that person for like six years, honestly. And then one day it just it stopped. But, but mm. um, sweating out. Sweating literally. out. The, yeah, the, literally. Yeah. Literally. The old stuff. Yeah. It was a yeah. big part of the process for sure. And then, yeah, sticking with with daily meditation practice, like daily period. Um, I I used to say, you know, Kali's sword is at my throat. You know, Mother Kali's sword is at my throat. She's just like daring me, like you fucking move off this path even one inch, you're you're a goner. And that was the biggest blessing of my life. I knew that like if I if I strayed from practice, daily practice, mm. then I wouldn't like who I became, and nobody else would like who, oh, I, wow. like who I became. Either, you know, um, If this is too personal. By all means, yeah. feel free to tell me. So, any 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 slips off the mat since? Oh, of course. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I go ahead. <laughs> we'll will define slip off the mat. <laughs> well uh well i guess uh i mean I, well i mean i we all have our our stops and starts with our practices no matter how long we've been doing this uh, i mean it was it was interesting when the when the pandemic started like in march of 2020 like for
0: a year i was probably at the the peak of my practice like i was in the best shape i was like weirdly like calm and then 21 mm-hmm
1: shit mm-hmm. started to like yeah and so there would be i would go weeks without right, pra- i would still be teaching but i would go weeks having not been on a mat uh mm-hmm. maybe not having sat on the floor um yeah. so yeah so i totally understand that um, yeah. Yeah. no but i was gonna. I, I, again i guess at the risk of being very personal any relapses oh oh well i'm not sober today um okay I, I, it, it turned out that I could put together my own program um, yes. that I just kind of I didn't like what was going on in 12 step many people don't and so I just thought creatively like uh-huh. what are the elements here that are working in terms of community spiritual practice accountability uh, self-searching asking yourself the hard questions yeah having a place that you show up every week and so I I just said you know what I'm going to do this with a song now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this, you know, I'm gonna get really involved in a meditation center mm-hmm. and and do that and, and then, and then get my ass in school. And oh. so that, and that was my accountability. It was like, I gotta show up. I got these student loans to pay off. I can't drop out, <laughs> so, right. right? So, um, so yeah, so I, I mean, relapse for me would be different than like ever touching a drink again because I've found that- Exactly a lot of healing having happened in my life. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be sober in order to be sane or for my life to be manageable. But yeah, I I was really identifying with what you were saying in terms of 2020. I was rock solid. I felt purposeful. I felt like everyone's falling apart. I got to show up. I was publishing a book that year. There's just shit going down in the world, but I felt very clear-eyed about it all and and how Mm -hmm. I was showing up and just like really fierce on Instagram wanting to like be a support and a pillar and then yeah and then 2021 happened and it was like oh I some other things happened in my life actually um my best friend died and my, then my brother died and mm-hmm. uh, and just the screws started coming loose and mm-hmm. um yeah I, I would say that I'm I'm kind of coming out of a long period right now like a year year and a half where um, still practice every day, maybe a missed day here or there. And mm-hmm. on the days when I like can't drag myself to like actually sit with my mind, what I you know more naked way, I do breath work. That's my mm-hmm. like, oh yes, same like Wim same. Wim Hof or transformational shamanic breath work or or three part uh, breathing. Um, yeah, some sort of that way. I'm still practicing. I'm still in the flow. I'm still working with the subtle energies of the body. Mm-hmm. I don't gotta like deal with my crazy thoughts. Yeah, I, yeah. I would say the same thing. Like there are a lot, there are a lot of times when I would uh, go just you know sit and just be like, oh my god, I cannot. Like I can't, I can't quiet it. I can't, you know, can't get the monkey yeah. back in the tree. And yeah. yeah, at some point I was just like, okay, just do four, seven, eight. Just do. Nadi who Ujai, something. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. so it, yeah. So I, I became, also I became much more forgiving with myself around like my practices. And, and that has definitely influenced my teaching as well. Like mm-hmm. I have someone that comes who who literally, it's a yin class, but he spends probably 80% of the class s- sitting against a wall, eyes closed, legs crossed. And I, mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm like, he, there's something he's, he's getting from this, this experience. Mm-hmm. Whereas in 2019, I, I don't know that I would have said anything to him, but I definitely would have in my mind been like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> why are you here? <laughs> but, I, but I've realized that it, you need what you need. Yeah. I mean, I tell this story in the monkey of the messenger, but at that yoga studio that I ran in Brooklyn, there was a woman who would come out, she would take the same class every week and she would come out, pop out about three quarters of the way through class, leave and then come back for Shavasana. And she was just this, oh, wow. this absolute mystery to us. And then finally, one day the yoga teacher asked her in the lobby, like, "What, the, like, what's what going doing? on here? <laughs> and she was like, you know, I, I got, I really don't like coming, but it's good for me, and I feel better afterwards. And so, the way that I incentivize myself is if I just get through the vinyasas, the hard part of class. When wow. the, when you go to the when you go to the static poses, mm. I go to the coffee shop next door and get myself a donut, <laughs> <laughs> and then I come back for shavasana. <laughs> and she's like, "I know, I that know." That is brilliant. That's like not the how I'm supposed to do it, but it gets me here every <laughs> week. we were just That's like, hilarious. We're like, that's fucking genius. Good for you. you we are like (laughs) that. Right? (laughs) Right. I mean, that's awesome. Like, I tell people all the time, you know, you can take a break in the middle. We're going to sit for 24 minutes. But if if you need to take a 10-second break, that's not totally mindless. You actually need it. It's getting to be too much. You're wearing out. Your mindfulness is slipping. Your legs are asleep. Take 10 seconds. Do it on purpose, do it consciously, but take a 10 second break and you'll be surprised that you can go much further, much longer without um, starting to fall apart in the practice. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I always say, well, I don't always, I've only recently started saying um, in in my classes, whether it's a yoga or meditation class, like this should not be a test of endurance. Like saying, like if you need to like, you need to open your eyes and stretch for a mm-hmm. few and then just come
0: back in. Just do that. Uh, i wanna, I'm gonna shift gears here slightly since sure. the uh, the whole pretense on which I uh, uh, snagged you was
1: uh, that the uh, the current series that we're doing, me, I'm a one- man show, uh, <laughs> is practicing in a dumpster fire. And I've had some teachers that are like, oh, I really think, you know, we should use the more mindful term. And I'm like, look, I think it's dumpster fire or shit show. Like those are the choices. (laughs) Um, What is your, uh, what's your current mood around everything? And I realized by everything, it's a lot. I, well, I mean, I just came out of, like I was saying, like a year and a half, like face plant with myself, Mm -hmm. just like absolutely falling apart. Um, I accidentally moved to Colorado at, and lived at nine thousand feet elevation. I had altitude sickness um, the whole time I was there. That was a big part of it. Like my brain just wasn't functioning. My body just felt terrible. Um, and so, so yeah, so so real depression, a real uh, mm. uh, depression born of isolation, um, yeah. arose from that. And um, and now I'm living in Seattle. I've been here for two months and really starting to feel my feet back on the ground and really starting to get out and meet people again and, and playing music and playing bands again and doing some other things that really nourish me. Um, and so my general mood right now is I'm angry mm-hmm. about about what's happening in our world. I'm angry about the injustices that are being enacted, the war on women, the war on queer people, the war on trans people, especially, yeah, it kills me. But also, that doesn't erase the fact that this life is precious, and mm. that we we're profoundly lucky to be here, and we're profoundly mm. lucky to be here together at this particular time. And I, 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 I remain. Not convinced, but I remain I continue to have experiences of you know, one insight that, that the last few years has taken me to because really I think we've all experienced kind of just a stripping away of so many of the things that we relied on to keep us going yeah. or keep us in a particular flow. And and that's happened for me too in a lot of ways, but one penetrating realization that's come through is you know the whole practice the whole dharma the whole however you want to frame it the whole fucking thing is about it comes down to rather is the heart open or closed mm. do you know how to recognize if the heart's open or closed do you know how to abide in the open heart do you know how to stay mm. there do you know how to return there from distraction like this is what it all comes down to and the experience of genuine joy, genuine compassion, genuine love, um, these these energies, not only can we open to them in the midst of just about anything, they can also mix with just about anything. So uh-huh. you can be compassionately pissed off. You can be you, you can be anxious and have self-love in the moment of anxiety. Right. right? Like that's the beautiful thing about these transcendent, open-hearted energies, is they they're alchemical they change situations in a in a in a flash um you know if i'm if i'm lost in loneliness and suddenly i find self-compassion in loneliness mm. it changes that yeah in a really beautiful way um and they can mix with anything yeah. right right very complex uh, answer to your very simple question no it, it's a beautiful answer because i think that <laughs> we often do forget that like it's You know, I always used to covet when I was a kid that big uh, Crayola crayon box that had like you know like the sixty-four crayons Mm -hmm. in it. I would always end up getting like you know like the twelve or something. But but you but think about like like the spectrum of blues, for example. And I think that you know I I think at some point we fell into this trap that you know where our emotional being is very itemized, very compartmentalized. Like, you can't be these two things at once. And I think that was the most beautiful way of putting that. Um, do you have a favorite uh, meditation practice? Or do you have one that you've been leaning on a lot lately? Yeah, I would. I mean, the core of my practice will always be shamatha meditation or calm abiding meditation, mm-hmm. um, which is generally taught as attention on the breath. Um, the way it's evolved for me is a little bit different. Um, I call it heart breathing. Uh, in my classes, we 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 pay attention to the breath, but we act like we can breathe into the space of the heart and out from the space of the heart. And we also add a little pause between breaths, where we let the exhale fade out into space and we float in that space for a moment. It's very very stilling to the mind. Very. Um, it just opens one to a very beautiful downshift um and then breathing back into the heart really exploring that space inside that would be my core core practice and then um my other main practice would be that plus adding in what's called parts work which comes from internal family systems uh uh, therapy which is really my the the mainstay of what i teach them and practice mm. you say, uh, yeah, yeah. Are you familiar with yes. with what that is yet? Yeah. I am. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting how all of this, all of these things we do, are uh, being influenced and uh, supplemented by so many other tools. Now, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a fairly recent development in both yoga and meditation fields. I, at least from where I am uh, geographically. Mm-hmm. Of mm. uh, of trauma being discussed and ifs etc. Mm-hmm. So it's a very interesting place to be right now. Are you um, are you a news consumer? Um, unfortunately, at times. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, it's be. hard. To, it's it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to peel your eyes away. It really is. Right. It really right. is, and it's also hard to know what to totally believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Why do you ask? Well, I, I've asked everyone uh, because I, I always think it's interesting because, you know, uh, okay, I should hold up a little sign like potential rant. Um, because, me. you know, it's one of those things where prior to 2020 and, you know, I'm, 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 I'm more active in the yoga field uh, or more, pro, not prominent, whatever. Uh, and there's a lot of preciousness of, of, of yoga teachers and there's a sure. lot of you know what we now call toxic positivity and, and right. spiritual bypassing and so and then a lot of that started to kind of fall away and reshape during the the course of the summer of 2020 but it is amazing to me sometimes when i speak to people yoga or meditation teachers like oh no i i just can't watch the news i just can't watch it my i'm just too sensitive to the news and i'm thinking but what you're actually really doing is you're turning away from the suffering that's going on in the world
0: to some degree.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I, so I always find it interesting. And everyone I've talked to so far in the series are like, oh, yeah. And like Lodro had the best response. He was like, I watch it and then I sit and meditate. <laughs> I'm like, oh. He's like I meditate on. <laughs> like, that's okay. a very Lodro, very Lodro <laughs> response. Very yes. Yeah. so uh, Yeah. But yeah, so that's why I ask. I, I just not that I was gonna like give you shit if you told me like no, I'm just too sensitive. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. We 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 have to turn towards the suffering. We have to be willing to get yes. shit. I mean, it, everybody has their own predilection and their own place in it. I am like depths of hell. Let's go. I'm. I'm yeah. You know, I, because I've been there and I know my way back. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, so exactly. I can't, but um, but. Uh, I think it's, an, I think it's important, but it is, it is, I, I, I want to just add this little caveat yeah. that we are being manipulated on both oh, sides, 100%. on both sides, CNN, Fox, like, you know, there's, there's, uh, yeah, there's, 100%. there's no organization out there that isn't playing us for our attention, playing us for our fear, playing us for our anger. And we, mm-hmm. we have to develop like the discerning, Eyes to be able to separate the wheat from the chaff a little bit. Yes, I agree because it's it's all it's. it's, I'm I'm really convinced they're all just playing for the fucking same team, and that team is the Clippers. I thought that same thing, (laughs) Ralph. I had that same thought like just a a, a few days ago. Um. All right, you're definitely going to have to come back for a second
0: conversation (laughs) because there are like so many things I want to talk to you about. But uh, I've been closing with the same three questions. Uh, is there a book you recommend right now?
1: And this can be a, a serious book for study. It can be a, a, diver, a diversion. Yeah, you know, I, 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 normally I would have a list of nonfiction books, but I'll tell you, I just read Bewilderment by Richard Powers, which is a, a, a fictional book about a dad uh, a single dad and his autistic son and it is the most i don't know it gave me life it really cool. gave me life okay i'm writing and that um, down and and very like uh, uh the the dad is a astrobiologist studies okay. the possibility of life on other planets and like yeah it is autistic and brilliant and so there's like a lot of like science uh, uh, both science about plants and animals here on Earth, and like science as well, in the book. Oh, okay, fabulous! Yeah, okay. I learned. You will I learned that. a lot. Yeah, it just okay. it, it gave me something that I needed. But I mean, now I feel guilty for not recommending my friends' nonfiction books. <laughs> no, <laughs> next time. Yeah. Um, and this one, uh, this one, keep it as 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 simple. As you can. Are you are you optimi- optimistic about the future? We might have to save that one for next time. I mean optimistic <laughs> we <can> about totally. <laughs> I'm optimistic about the, the potential for us to all awaken mm. no matter what, and to use circumstances we're met with to awaken and to help others awaken. I'm optimistic about that. Oh, I think that's beautiful. And then last question, uh, how are you taking care of yourself in these in these unprecedented times? Just tick off the boxes, man. Tick off the boxes. Water mm-hmm. and sleep, exercise, diet, medication, yes. breath work. Get those in every day as early as you can. You know, like first mm-hmm. two hours of the day for mm-hmm. me are just blocked off. Like I'm doing practice, um, but yeah like truly vegetables, water, eight hours of sleep. Like I find that if I'm off in any way, if I'm like, Oh God, I'm really struggling. I really feel, I just start looking to the absolute basics. Yeah. The the rest is great, but like, if you don't have the basics, you, you really, you're not going to continue to function. No, totally agree.
0: Well, don't worry. You will be a returning champion. Ralph (laughs) De La Rosa, like I said, we, uh, don't tell me to relax. The monkey is the messenger. <laughs> I highly recommend both these books. Uh, where else
1: can uh, people connect with you, Ralph? Uh, RalphDelaRosa.com um, is kind of the central hub, or RalphDelaRosa on Instagram. I have a the I fantastic have a, Instagram. <laughs> ah, thank you very much. I just started doing TikTok as well. <laughs> Did you really? <laughs> <laughs> Right. i mean well, ralph i won't be dancing i won't be dancing i was just gonna ask you that <laughs> i was literally about to say that yeah. okay <laughs> ralph you hold tight we'll say a proper goodbye all right everyone out there take good care of yourselves and each other and be kind when you can and it turns out that that's a lot of the times till next time Yay.
0: Stephen Steven Willard here. If you want to practice with me, there are lots of options available to you. Maybe not lots, but there are a few. There's a YouTube channel, There Once Was a Yogi. I have many practices up on that, some are short, 10-15 minutes, some are an hour, some are vinyasa yoga, some are yin yoga, some are meditation, perfect to fit into your schedule. If you want to take a live class with me and you don't live in the Charleston area, I teach primarily at Holy Cow Yoga Center charleston's longest running yoga studio it might even be the longest running studio in the country but holycalyoga.com. you can take any of my classes via zoom or if you want to work with me one-on-one with yoga or meditation shoot me an email there once was a yogi at gmail or dm me at you guessed it there once was a yogi look forward to seeing you on your mat